Our guest superpower is making history. Of course, we like to say making history. She first made history by being offered the highest paid contract in women's football history. And she made history a second time by becoming the first female athlete to own a shoe company. We're going to love this conversation today, and you're going to love the startup stories you'll hear from this amazing guest. Stay tuned for the Startup Life Live show. Let's glow, everyone. Hello and welcome to the Startup Life Live show. I'm your host, Andy Lyons, four times founder and startup champion to founders around the world. And after raising four businesses of my own, I got to tell you, I'm pretty sure I know what y'all are crawling through every single day. The high level of uncertainty and the extreme joys of when you nail it and you figure it out. It's a phenomenal journey and you never lose. You always win when you launch a business. Please remember that no matter what happens, you're a winner. And I'm grateful that you carved out time to tune in and up your founder game. Because as you do better, your business will do better. A big yoo-hoo to live viewers tuning in and a hearty welcome to the replay viewers and podcast listeners I'm telling you, the startup stories we're going to be diving in today are inspirational and will inform and maybe have, give you some breakthroughs for your own founder and startup journey. If you're watching from a video, I would be so grateful for a click on that like button right there. And if you're tuning in from YouTube and you haven't done so already, I would love your subscribe love and a click on that bell icon. But even more importantly, come on over and join the Startup Life Live meetup group, because this way you will receive a deep dive into each guest that we host. You'll get a wonderful bio and background and just the occasional alert for whenever we are going live and going to be sharing the good information. Remember, this show is about amplifying diverse founders around the world so your support really means the world to me and to those founders who are tuning in and getting the nuggets they need to expand and grow. So just, just a few brief and delicious announcements. I, you know, I just always start them off with, you got to go to Arlen's Academy, hop on over there. <laughs> She's always adding amazing information. I will, get, I will never get tired of supporting and promoting Arlen's work in the world. She is extraordinary and she really is about adding wind to your sales. And then one of the best places to really up your game with your pitch deck. Allison Byers is the founder of Scroobius and they make sure that your pitch deck is in the right flow and exactly what investors want to see and hear. And the pricing is so affordable. Come on. It's, you know, certainly uh, maybe 20 bucks a month. Okay. And you're going to get peer support. You're going to get feedback, pay a little more. You're going to get some wonderful one-on-one -on -one coaching. So please hop on over to scrubius.com backslash pricing and receive 15% off first tier pricing when using the promo code Andy 15. Woohoo. And then one of my favorite, favorite VC funds out there in the world is Hustle Fund. And Hustle Fund uh, co-founder Elizabeth Yen, as they say, you know, we were founders before we sold out and became VC. So we know just how amazing and terrible startup life is. And their team brings real talk and real advice to their relationships. 
please visit the link in the show notes, folks, and um, to read and, and grab a copy of Elizabeth's How to Raise a Seed Fund. And then, you know, visit hustlefund.vc to learn more about this remarkable group. Okay, so I'm just going to jump right in and do a, our introduction of our wonderful guests because, you know, you founders are working so hard and I know that you are going to love this story, but I just want to remind all of you founders before I get started, please be sure to reach out and ask, ask for help, ask for what you need. And especially you female founders, women are often good at, uh, at capturing crumbs. You don't want the crumb, you want the crown. And so I want you to always remember to ask for help. You need an introduction. You need some wind in your sails. Whatever you need, ask for it. You never know. And especially here on the show, it's very easy to pop your questions into the comment section. We'll pop them up on the screen. Someone could hear and someone could answer. I've got the testimonials that prove that. Okay. So let me introduce you to our an amazing guest. That's right. It's Santia Deck. And She's a social media influencer with over 800,000 loyal and engaged followers. She's a published author, fitness model, TV personality, public speaker, and a former track and field collegiate athlete. And she made history, as I said earlier, by being offered the highest paid contract in women's football history. But most recently, she added successful startup founder and CEO to her long list of wins with the launch of Tronus, an innovative footwear brand Oh my gosh, you are going to love hearing this story. Let's bring it to the room. Yay, Cynthia! Get the clappers out, everybody. Big round of applause for you. <laughs> oh, we're going to have to hit that mute button. There we go. Almost there. Yeah. Yes, there oh, we go. Oh. Thank you all for having me. I'm super excited for this interview. Oh my gosh, everybody. Of course, I had, I had to look up Santia's name. Are you ready for this? Talk about being your name. <laughs> Santia means a pioneering spirit. Hello. And Santia, you are a natural born leader, highly focused and achievement oriented. Wow. Nailed it, right? I didn't even know that. <laughs> hey, that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I just thought it was just such a cool name. Thank you, Mom of Santia, yes. <clears throat> for that. But it was just so wonderful. I want to say hi to some folks who are joining us today and the one and only <laughs> Mia. <laughs> Woohoo! Thank you, Mia. I know I'm so excited for this too. And Mia likes to hop along her different platforms. So here she is on. YouTube, but also she is over here on um, Facebook. But as you know, I love to promote Mia's work in the world. So I'm just going to pop it up right now. She's the host of Shit We Don't Talk About with Mia Voss. Go search for it on your podcasts, wherever you listen, tune into podcasts. It is such delicious conversation. Nobody brings the topics better than Mia Voss about things that we don't normally want to talk about. So remember, folks, Tuning in later, the links are in the show notes. Otherwise, go find that out. So where are you hanging out today, Santia? So um, I, I live in Atlanta. Um, so I actually just moved to Midtown from Alpharetta. So I, I'm i a suburban girl, but now I am in the city. So Yay! I will see how I love it. <laughs> I love it. There's nothing better than city life, I have to tell you. In fact, I make all my decisions in suburban life based on how close everything is. Can I get there and around the corner? It's <laughs> So before we get started, you know, I know that you came from a 
highly focused family. Mom did a great job raising you and your siblings to be achievement oriented, but also you got into a lot of sports growing up. I, track and field, yes, and then you segued into football. Share with everybody a little bit of that origin sports background. Sure. So a lot of people don't know, but I actually started with tennis. Tennis was my first sport at four years old. Um, and wow. funny enough, the instructor told my mom after a year that we were too strong because we were hitting the balls over the, I mean, we thought that was the point. Yeah. They're like, no, I think you need to maybe play softball. Um, but um, funny enough, I actually wanted to be a runner um, at the age of, I guess I'll say about five, but I wasn't old enough. So my mom decided at six to finally put us in track. And when we, when she did, um, it became my life. I ran track from the age of six, I'm sorry, seven, seven to 23, and I'm now 30. So um, I went through college, went to Texas A&M, had a scholarship, a full, full, full scholarship, and um, it helped me, honestly, with everything else that I've been doing in sports. Yeah, but tell everybody when you got into football, and, and when was the Women's Football League formed? Yeah, so um, I actually, so I got into football, uh, a year after graduating in 2014 from college. Okay. I was looking for something to do because I was no longer a runner. And I was like, hey, I still want to be active. I still want to be an athlete. I still want to compete. And I was driving one day, um, randomly saw a flag football sign to come out and try out. I was like, why not? My brothers played football. You know, when I was younger, I, I was outside doing the drills and going to some of the camps for fun. And um, I went to a tryout and the rest was history. After that, um, I played flag for about, what, five years? And then I actually ended up making the international team. Um, I traveled literally around the world playing flag. Um, oh and then that segued into rugby, which I was actually training for the Olympics in 2019 to make the USA team, but I got injured. Um, oh and God. then tackle football came um, about, <laughs> and that came around 2020 right before the pandemic hit. Um, yeah. And unfortunately, um, because of the pandemic, it kept getting pushed back. Yeah. So um, it, unfortunately, the league ended up not making it. Um, sure. Way too much going on with, yeah. I mean, it was and, a pandemic. <laughs> yeah, I've got too much going on. We understand completely. And we've got finally some good role models, you know, the Amy Wambach and the whole, everything going on with the Women's uh, Soccer League. So I know the Women's Football League has some great representation out there and with of course the women's basketball league you it can happen and sure. i just love that you know graduated from college i was looking around what do i want to do oh look at that flag yeah. football game over there <laughs> Join that. folks you can hop on youtube and see that you can see some great videos of santia running and doing remarkable sports but I think you know, this is what led you, right, to become an entrepreneur. And so I always love to ask my guests, Santia, what happened that you said, oh, I want to launch a business? Because, you know, it's great when people can pay you to work and, and all of that. But to launch a business requires a whole different mindset, a heart set. Had you had any examples growing up or were you hustling product while you were at the track and <laughs> track field? Well, um, I actually grew up in an entrepreneur family. Um, oh, so, no kidding. Yeah, so my mom, she was an entrepreneur. My father was an entrepreneur. Um, my stepfather is an entrepreneur. So he, honestly, all of all of the influence came from my household. Um, so when we were younger, we were outside with lemonade stands and doing different things like that. We, we would, like, create um, 
like puppet shows when we were younger as well to just get money and do things. Mm -hmm. um, so I feel like it, it was just kind of in me. Um, so when I got into social media all the way back in 2012, um, when I realized, okay, I could actually possibly make money from doing this. Yeah. I just went all in. Um, and it wasn't anything that I had to second guess. You know, I, I felt like, okay, this is what I'm supposed to be doing because I started to notice when I was posting my videos of me like running, you know, running track yeah. and working out. I was inspiring other people to get fit, to get off the couch, to take care, better care of their health. And so I realized, okay, I can not only inspire and motivate and possibly change people's, you know, lives through social media, but I can also get paid from doing this. So uh, my mom, <laughs> she helped me build a brand, um, you know, right after college. Um, I went right into fitness training. I had a fitness DVD, fitness products, and my mom is my manager as well. She's also the CEO of my shoe company. Excellent. Um, Yay, mom. Yeah. So it, it was uh, it was my, my parents, to be quite honest. Well, and you know, Cynthia, this is wonderful because I think parents, the best thing you can teach your child, well, that how to self-soothe when they're trying to fall asleep, but also how to be self-directed to do something because sometimes we have to do gigs, right? Instead of get paychecks and gigs can lead to businesses. So understanding the flow of entrepreneurship, there's a wonderful uh uh, organization out in the world, Santia, called build.org. And they, they come into high schools and train students how to be an entrepreneur. So what you gained from watching your family and, and then having your mom help you build your brand for your fitness, which what was, what's the name of the fitness one with abs? I love the name. Oh, Queen of Abs. <laughs> Queen of Abs. It is the truth, 100%. So good. And that's how you built your followers, right? You got up to 800,000? Yes. yes. And is that across, you know, what were your primary social media platforms for that? So in totality, I have almost 3 million followers combined on all of my platforms. Wow. But on Instagram alone, I have almost 900,000. Yeah. Congratulations. I, you know, everybody watching or listening right now knows how hard it is to get one follower. <laughs> so. hey, it definitely takes a lot of work and it's, it's almost a second job. Social media is, I mean, that is my job. Full -time. It is. 100% folks with the branding, especially a product brand, especially being the face of your product, you have to be on social media at, with discipline and creativity and a wonderful ability to communicate. So you nailed that brilliantly. I just want to say a quick hello to Tiffany. Hey, Tiffany Maddox, so happy that you're here and tuning in. And one of our favorite fans in the world up from Canada, Ottawa, Canada, it's Brent Manuel. And he always is supporting and promoting and amplifying diversity and especially neurodiverse. So we love to amplify Brent's work in the world and how he helps organizations make sure they're hiring disabled folks in their organizations because we know that the goal is to have disability and innovation linked together as we move forward in the world. Okay, so you, I, my understanding is you just weren't happy with the shoe gear for flag football and for other moments of working out and getting strong. So talk to us about how you fell in love with the foot industry, foot, footwear industry, and what you learned and why you wanted to create a new footwear brand because yeah, you know, why you, right? How did your lived experience get you to this point? Share with everyone. 
you know, it's honestly a very unique story. Um, I I was actually a brand ambassador uh, for another shoe company, and I was selling the heck out of their shoes. And um, the designer came to me one day and said, "Hey, have you ever thought about creating your own signature shoe?" And me being a sneakerhead and I love fashion, and if you're a Michael Jordan fan or Allen Iverson fan, you know everybody wanted their own shoe, <laughs> probably fresh. <laughs> Um, so it made sense to me. And I was like, yeah, why not? Um, and pretty much he he and I had a conversation and I told him I wanted a shoe that was a combination of a Balenciaga and a Jordan. Um, so I wanted the, you know, the look, the feel, um, the high quality of a Balenciaga, but I wanted the performance side of a, a Jordan. And um, he sketched it up, got it in the first try. There was barely anything I had to tell him to change. And um, I posted it on Instagram and it went crazy. Um, everybody wanted the shoe immediately. I'm like, hey, this is a concept. This isn't even real yet. Um, and then he said, okay, let's do a whole line. Forget just one shoe. And so um, we talked about the colors. He sketched everything up again. I posted it on LinkedIn and it went viral. And that's when we knew, okay, we might have something. Oh, yeah, I would think so. Yeah, my mom being my mom, she came in and she was like, okay, let's do market research. Let's make sure that you have the following that would actually buy these products. And lo and behold, I didn't even know most of my followers are sneakerheads. And so having that data, that is so important as an entrepreneur. I'm just going to throw that that gem in there. Um, we decided with the help of the uh, designer who also worked for all the big shoe companies, he helped guide us through everything that we needed. Yeah. Um, we created Toronto's, but it was definitely a leap of faith because I was scared. I'm going to be quite honest. I was scared because I was like, okay, we have to compete against the Nikes, the Adidas, these really big, big brands. Like, will anybody care? Would they like my baby? You know, <laughs> that feeling. <laughs> of and, course. Um, and, and, yeah. and folks here know that I, I often say, remember, if you're worried about competition, walk down the bread aisle. There's plenty yeah. of room. <laughs> but it is very scary because they have a ton of resources behind them. Yes. Right. Yes. How did you come up with the name Tronus? My mom, <laughs> just like she came up with Queen of Abs. Uh, my mom is really good at picking up powerful names and meanings. Um, but pretty much we were looking for something powerful, something that kind of had a royal feel to it because Queen of Abs is my, my brand. Yeah. And um, she was just, I think she literally texted me at maybe 3 a.m. and was like, I got the name. And I was like, okay, what is it? She was like, Tronos. And I was like, what does that even mean? And she was like, it means throne in Greek. And I was like, oh, wow. It, me it means it. throne? Yes, it means throne in Greek. <laughs> O-N-E, the yes. chair yep. you sit in, the throne. Yep. Mom she nailed did. it. She did. She always knows it. So I, <laughs> I can say that. She's always good with picking names. <laughs> well, and also, and folks, just because Santia has all these thousands and sometimes millions of followers, and many of them are sneakerheads, don't think for a second that that was all she needed because customers are so good at saying, oh, yes, we love this. And oh, yes, we'll do this and we'll behave this way. But I can't wait to get on the other side and find out what happened when you launched. But we have to have a few steps between the customer saying, yes. We're, you know, we would love this. And you got that good feeling. And you talked about getting the data, which is so important. But yes. then you had to figure out from the sketch to the manufacturing process. Yes. How did you? And you know what I'd love to do, folks? I want to bring up the website. Can I do that? 
because um, I really, let me just go over to my Chrome tab here. I want everybody to get a good feel for this product while we're talking, okay? There's the queen herself standing, not on her throne, representing, <laughs> look at all these colors. And this gives you an idea, and, and you have one of the most important, important footwear items as a mother of two sons, the sandals. Yes. The Velcro. <laughs> that is absolutely. Everybody loves the slides. That's probably one of my best colors right now. Excellent. But look at, okay, everybody, you know what colors I'm loving in there. Oh, oh geez, they're beautiful. And I'm just going to keep scrolling down and you selling plenty of other things. I'm on the shop side of the website, everyone. So come on, if you want to go get it, look at all of that. So I just wanted to take a moment to share with everybody the wonderful product line before we get into the details, because those shoes don't make themselves, right? <laughs> <laughs> so what did you have to learn? I mean, and again, you had the really hard part worked out, which is you had a built-in community, Santia, but now you had to go, all right, where are we going to get these made? Please share. So, um, Again, our store is very unique. Um, our designer, um, his name is Jamie and Sills, by the way, um, he actually lived in China for eight years. Um, and he actually had his own shoe company. Um, so he actually already had the connections to the best manufacturers in China. Um, he literally made sure that, you know, he did all of his due diligence before sending anybody our way. And um, we had a chance to actually talk to um, who we're working with now on the phone we got a chance to look inside the actual facility to make sure it was no funny business going on you know um and so he 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 honestly was the one that connected us to our manufacturer now does that normally happen no um we were just very very uh lucky and and highly favored by god to have yeah. someone that could kind of walk us through this whole process because otherwise most people go to china to make sure they actually meet these people they go and you know go and check out everything that's right where their products are going to be so knowing that he already did that it was a, a so you, can you say again how you met him how did you know him so he actually so he was a he was a designer for another company right it lags me and when you were the brand ambassador there yes. that's how you met them okay that's how I met him. so social media everything has came from instagram to be quite honest yeah <laughs> I, I understand that completely, Those building those relationships via social. Yes. Wow. Talk about it was divine because, no, yes, folks, yes. you know, we had Olgi, the founder of The Difference Sneaker, and it's a heelless technology, Santia. His family gave them him all their savings and sent him to China to live for a year to yep. figure it out. I actually know him. <laughs> oh, you, okay. Yeah. You know Olgi. Yay. <laughs> Oh, he's wonderful. So um, we have a deep appreciation for that level of knowledge. So how did you come up with pricing? How did you figure out all this? So you found the manufacturer, and um, but you also had to figure out the pricing. Can you talk a little bit about that step as well? Yeah, so definitely market research is everything. So we had to make sure that we were competitive. I mean, we weren't lowballing ourselves, but also weren't going so high that it was just impossible. Um, so for us, we made sure that we were we were in a happy medium uh, when it came to pricing. Yeah. Um, but me being a sneakerhead <laughs> myself, I knew what people are like, what we would pay, what we're not going to pay, like what's way, way, way just too high for us. So um, doing that, um, you know, we also made sure that we had uh, we did, again, the market research, but we also had conversations with other, um, 
you know, sneaker, not sneaker designers, but just people that are in the shoe industry. Um, I also made sure that I did uh, polls as well. Um, so again, that data, part of everything to see what, okay, what would you pay for a sneaker? What would you pay for a slide? Um, and what's too high, what's too low, what would it need in order for you to want to pay this much? So we did a lot of data and polls and talking to my, my followers and audience. So it's funny that, you know, we say that, you know, we created this shoe, but in reality, my followers were the, was, were the ones that actually helped to create this because we did everything based off of what we knew they would want down to the color, down to the feel, down to the design. So we made sure that the whole way throughout through the process, we were letting them know, hey, this is what's going on. Do you like this? Is it too much? Is it too little? And we ended up coming up with uh, our high tops and then now our low tops and our, our slides. Oh my gosh, I'm having an delicious moment, everybody. <laughs> Oh my gosh, that's a, that's just so brilliant to because so many founders that they have a little bit of the engineer in them and they decide that they think the the world will want what they have. And of course, Steve Jobs was a perfect example of that, right? In the tech world. But in your world to co well, you built in public is what you did, as they say in the gaming industry. Yes. Um, you built your Oh my gosh, I felt a song coming on. Um, but you built <laughs> your sneaker in public and got all that great information to make sure you were meeting your customers' needs. Oh my, I, I see a case study on this. This is so brilliant. And sometimes often ignored. So now your your customers not only love you to pieces, obviously, but now they're falling in love with the shoe. Why? Because you valued their feedback. Exactly. That's an delicious moment every time. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. So now you're getting everything ready. How long did you spend on this? How much time do you think it took you to do the polls, to get all the information from China, to understand the inventory and get the data? It was about a two year process yeah. uh, before we actually launched to the public. Um, and it wasn't, it wasn't always easy uh, to be quite honest um, because um just learning about something that we weren't we we had never stepped foot in it's just a whole new market um it was a lot to take in <laughs> and it was a lot to research and, and and just do our due diligence and all that stuff so we want to make sure before we actually had the actual physical product in people's hands that we knew everything we needed to know so that there was no hiccups there was no issues so it, it was about a two-year process yeah and again and Remember, folks, these things, these companies are not built overnight. There's that mythology out there, right, Santia? Oh, we launched with the pandemic. So imagine that the heart, in the heart of the pandemic in 2020. Yeah, well, a lot of people were out walking. Yeah, yeah <laughs> and, exactly. But they weren't they weren't doing contact sports, that's for sure. No, no, but they still no, needed no. to run around. Who can use these sneakers? Who um, I know they're sneaker heads, but, you know, Every day, anybody or just athletes, where do you yeah. fall in? Who is your market? Literally, um, surprisingly, everybody. Um, Yay. And at first, of course, like, because I am an athlete and I'm in this fitness industry, we designed it for, at first, just people that wanted to work out and, you know, wanted to have a nice shoe that was comfortable and light. But when we did our, we looked at our analytics, we realized that there were kids as young as 13 and as old as 80 years old buying our shoes so it was like okay this is different so it's for everybody now we are coming up with sports specific shoes and specific you know reasons for different shoes or whatever yeah. 
but our main shoe is for everybody. Yeah. I love that because, you know, you started off with a segment, right? You knew you had your built-in community. How many did you think that you needed to sell immediately to just start getting some feedback? What was your goal when you first launched for sales? So I always aim super high. So I wanted to sell out. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't have a number. I just said, I want to sell out. So you had an inventory run. How many pairs did you did you order in your first run? Our first run, we had about five thousand. Okay. Yeah. And how'd you do in selling out, Goddess? We did pretty good. We didn't sell all the way out, but we did. We came close. I would say that. <laughs> well, you know, and what's great about you, Santia, is you set the bar high. You know, it's you'll reach for the stars. You know, you'll make it to the moon that way. <laughs> okay. Yeah, exactly. And set the bar high so that you can continue to find things out. And so what did your customers tell you once you launched? And and because, you know, we had Billy Footwear. He's a disabled founder and had created a shoe that folks who have very minimal hand capability could have the independence. It's a zip-on sneaker. And his first order, you know, 85% were unusable, but he didn't have your person who made sure that they had a good run. And so that was his learning moment and went and found the right folks to, to build his sneaker line. What did you learn from your customers when you launched? What did the reviews look like? How honest were they? How, what kind of changes did you feel that you had to make after you launched? Yeah. So, um, we got a, we got a week, honest, we got, I would say 85%, like we love the shoe. Um, but of course there was, there was, so just to tell you a little bit about how they even got to our customers' hands, that process. Um, again, we launched in the pandemic. So if anybody remembers what was going on at that time, um, the manufacturers were having issues, the ports were clogged up. It was delayed, delayed, delayed. Even the biggest companies like the Nikes and Adidas weren't even getting their shipments in right before the holidays and everything. So we were launching um, and trying to get our customers their shoes by Christmas. So we were having a lot of delays. Uh, we were having issues um, because we we're also um, <laughs> like trying to avoid the Chinese New Year because once that happens, everything shuts down and we wouldn't have gotten our shoes till next summer. So we had so much pressure um, trying to get our shoes out, trying to make sure that um, all of the changes that we needed made were made on time. So we didn't have like at first the happiest customers because we, we have to keep pushing the, the launch date back, the delivery date back. Um, but thank God um, that we did finally get it literally out at the last hour, right before it was going to be too late to get your shoes. They would have to wait till the to next summer. Not that summer, but next summer to get their shoes. And that would have been the end of us. Yeah. So um, we had that, those complaints at first, like, where's my shoes? It's, it's been like an extra month. It's been a few weeks. What's going on? Um, and then when they got them again, they were, they were so, they were super happy, but there were some that got shoes that were, that had defects and different things like that, that you just, it just happened with, you know, shoes. Yeah. Um, and then we learned too, that, um, our first high tops on the back of the, of the, the sock part was kind of scraping up against their heels. So we didn't even realize that. So we had to change that around, um, which now they're, they're perfect pretty much but back then it was like okay we didn't even know this as right. much as we wore our shoes but we didn't wear them so i guess to the point to where we could you know i guess it was scraping the back of our heels so well, and it also, was a lot to learn it was a lot oh my God. really and 
I have so much to say about all of that, especially when it, the the pandemic yes. and manufacturing in China, which has a you know a whole nother scheduling challenge that's just over the over the top, and then you've got these customers who are chomping at the bit going. Well, we don't want my shoe. Good. So my first question is, how did you nurture the customers during that difficult time? What was your communication to say, you know, <laughs> to keep them hanging in there? Yeah. Um. So I went live a lot. Um. On my own platform, on my company's platform, to actually talk to them. Yeah. Um. And tell them, hey, this is what's happening. Like, I want to be as transparent as possible. Um. We want you guys to have your shoes more than you want them. Trust me. Yeah. But we are literally fighting against um, something that we have no control over, um, which That's is right. you know, the pandemic. Um, and honestly, most of our customers were were very, very understandable. Like they were super like, OK, I get it. Uh, we even went as deep as calling them. Like my team called some of these people that were having, you know, the super, super big complaints. And we're saying, hey, like, we just want to let you know you're getting your shoes. But this is what's happening. We really want you to have your shoes. We appreciate you. We're even going to throw in an extra pair of, of masks and, and socks. Nice. Nice. So we went very deep. Like we customer, our customer care to me is, is everything because it is, is it is it's the reason that we're successful is because of them. So we did everything we could. We sent emails, we sent text messages. Like I said, we went live. I even did a zoom call with people <laughs> that had like the customers that had bought the shoes or whatever the pre-orders so that they knew what was happening. Um, but it was just a lot of like literally spoon feeding people just saying, Hey, That's like right. we're here, we want to have your shoes. We're not going anywhere, but this is what's happening. So, yeah. And I, I love that because you're a very young company. This is your first entry into the marketplace and you showed up like a pro. Thank you. Thank you. And, <laughs> no, you didn't try. You did. And I just want to thank you for that and for sharing that story. Because folks, it, you A, you want to hide, right? Under the covers, behind something and just yeah. say, why bother? But that constant communication, and I'm, you know, I'm very big on Twitter. I really love Twitter. And that's where I go when I have any customer complaints for anybody. Um, yeah. Because I get responses immediately. And that's what you did. You responded immediately. You empathized, you shared your story, and you also were, you kept nurturing the relationship for these special sneakers. Because, you know, there are so many other opportunities out there to buy these sneakers. So were you primarily e-commerce, direct-to-consumer when you launched? Yeah, actually, we we're 100% e-commerce. Yeah, okay. Um, yeah, so definitely 100%. Um, and honestly, that's that's the way of the world now. <laughs> so it's the best way to be. <laughs> yes, but I, you know, I happen to be a fan of Santias. You guys, if you're not following her on Instagram, phenomenal. You know, you've been able to get some really good, what we would call big, big, big box stores um, or chains that are interested in your product. How did you decide to go that route as well? Because I want to remind any founders who are thinking of having a product when you sell direct to consumer, you keep some good margins. When you use a retailer to move product, you'll lose a lot of margin. Can we talk a little bit about that, Santia? Yeah. So, so with um, our first, uh, I guess, B two B opportunity, um, it was East Bay, and East Bay. Uh, funny enough, um, it's just crazy how God works. But I was actually doing a lot of um, like influencer work for them. So I had went to some of their flag football games um, that they were hosting. I went to some of their other events and I was just, you know, always showing up for them. And I had a really good connection with uh, the guy that was helping me do all that. 
And um, so when we actually launched, um, we contacted him and said, hey, this is what I'm doing. You know, this is what's going on. We would love to collaborate. He said, yeah, why not? So it was honestly based off of a relationship, um, which, which is how we got the first opportunity. But again, that relationship came from social media. So I, what I would tell people, and I know we're probably going to talk about this later, but I just got to throw this in here. If you are a business, if you are selling a product, make sure that you are building your fan base, your, your, your social media base, your followers, your fans, whatever it may be, because when you do that, it makes it so much easier to launch because you don't have to go and scramble and figure out how do I get people to care? How do I get people to know? So for me, it was about making sure that people fell in love with my brand first and who I was so that when I did put out anything else, they were going to buy because they believed in me. So that's kind of how this all, all of this happened. Now, when we get into the margins, my mom, she's <laughs> yo, so she's the one that handles all of that. So I don't want to talk about that. That's <laughs> fine. That's, that's, that's <laughs> fine. I was just giving everybody a heads up, but your founder journey advice just then, outstanding. I'm just going to give you a little round of applause because everybody knows how much I love to celebrate a good founder journey story. So this is important. It is true, especially when launching a product. That's why some folks do crowdfunding. So it's built-in sales and marketing for a product launch. It's just outstanding what you've done. And just to remind founders with products, when a retailer is going to be sharing your product, there's a couple of margin hits that you're going to get, which of course is if you're using a distributor to pick up pallets of your product, they're going to take a nice chunk, like 30%. And the retailer is going to look for a good 35% plus, and along with some marketing, et cetera. So you really want to build up the company and some traction with direct to consumer before you start going to that. But tell us a few of the folks who have picked you up since then. Yeah. So, so again, it was East Bay. Uh, now we are currently in Champ Sports, um, or we will be actually this weekend. We're going to be launching Yay. Miami August 6th. Hey us. <laughs> um, and then we also uh, just launched literally uh, Thursday and Friday of last week into four uh, athletes' foots out here in Georgia or Atlanta. And we're also going to be in D.C. and we're going to be in Alabama as well. We also have a smaller store called um, Sneaker Asylum here in Atlanta as well. Um, so, yeah, we're moving along. <laughs> well, I mean, Santia, I mean, you when did you officially launch Tronus? Uh, so it was June 19th of 2020. Yeah. So look how far you've come in two years in a pandemic when people weren't like doing anything co contact for a while and you had all the supply chain challenges. You are now in that delicious stage of proving yourself to be something that maybe Zappos will pick up. Right. And then you can get because the, the you know, the revenue is in the numbers, right? You, the more you can sell the less expensive it is to make, the more you can make, et cetera. And as far as that inventory process, I have a few pesky details I have to ask you. So in managing the inventory, and do you have a person on board who does that? Is that part of mom's job as well, making sure yeah. that product is available so that when you put that order in and those colors and those sizes, because I mean, yeah. this is shoes. This isn't just one thing. This is sizes that you exactly. have to manage. Exactly. Talk a little bit about managing that part. Um, so that, that is, that's again, that's, that's my mom's side of everything. Um, but, um, we do, so we do have an amazing fulfillment center. 
Yay. Um, so they keep track of everything. Um, we have a, pro a project manager that makes sure that we are nurturing that relationship, making sure that there are no issues going on. I mean, if we are running out of something, we can also, you know, we know that, you know, immediately. Um, but we don't keep any product on hand uh, for the most part. We do have some on hand if we like if we're having a pop-up shop or activation, sure. for example. Um, but for the most part, everything is in our fulfillment center. I'm so happy you said that, Santia, because I want to remind folks listening that there are people you can outsource this stuff to. You don't yep. stay in your sweet spot. Now, yep. if managing inventory and fulfillment is your jam as a founder, go for it. But you know, you don't have to. <laughs> but I, so, I salute anyone that's doing that. But that that is whoo, whoo. That's yeah. Fine. No, and and yet someone could look at you and go, "Oh, talking to those people live and do it." Nope, nope can't True. do that. Right. True. You're right. <laughs> but so you stay in your sweet lane, queen, and and bring your deliciousness to the world, and let others and outsource, folks. Really, and especially female founders, you don't have to do it all yourself. Just saying, it's a typical woman trait. And Mia Voss is saying so much good advice. Santia, build that base. You glow goddess for sure. But you also had to do something else that was so important because, folks, when you're building that product-based company, you have to have funding for the inventory, for all the parts and pieces. How did you do that part of your business? Did you raise capital? Did you bootstrap friends and family chipped in? How did that work for you? Um, it was actually uh, self-funded. So um, I, I funded um, most of it, but we also did the pre-order model. So, which is so much easier. Um, Tell because, us about that. Um, so pretty much we, uh, so before we launched, um, we did, uh, did pre-orders did pre-orders for about, um, I guess it was about a week out before we actually, uh, you know, closed everything down. But we, we uh, did a countdown on social media, said, hey, we are about to finally launch, you know, our first sneaker. Um, go ahead and head to the website now to, to put in your pre-orders before they sell out once we launch to the public. Um, so we pretty much um, created like a exclusivity. Yeah. Model. And yeah. people love when they're like, oh, I want to be a part of something. I want to be a part of it. You know, so for us, we were like, okay, we know that works because it works on us. So it's also psychotic. Yeah. Um, so we did that. I'm so sorry. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> Living the high rise is crazy noises all the time. I'm so sorry. But anyway, um, so so we did that. So we closed the website down uh, right before 24 hours before the, the time. Um, and we and we but before that, we did something even better. We we created like a VIP, um, like membership almost. So Excellent. we had like everybody sign up um for the vip membership and pretty much we have vip access you get to go on our website two hours before the public before anybody else and so we did that first and then we launched that two hours before uh we launched to the public um we had a lot of people go in there and buy like crazy we probably had i believe close to close to a thousand people sign up to be a vip member Sweet. Yeah, close to a thousand. Yeah. Um, and so they they did their thing on the website. Then we opened it up, and then everybody else went in. And that is how we we went and did really really well. Oh my gosh, are you kidding? You created yeah. that's. Yeah. I also call that the rock star fan strategy, yeah. right? You know, anybody, um, whether hip hop, rap, rock. It doesn't matter. You get that core group of people who you treat like gold. Exactly. And then they're going to be like, look what I got. And they're sharing it like crazy everywhere. I'm a VIP. Uh-huh. Exactly. And, and then you, 
I love that. (laughs) And then they do all that selling for you and you just keep cheering them on. Congratulations. That's a lot to figure out. And I know some of these strategies that you just shared today will serve founders for years to come. They're going to hear this and go, oh, I'm launching XYZ and I'm going to be able to apply that myself. I love how Santia did it. I'm going to go watch her and how she did it. Um, I just love that something fierce. So as we build businesses and have success, and you've, you know, you've, of course, been an athlete, um, have had dreams and, and achievement opportunities that you wanted to reach. But what does success look like for Tronus for you? And, and I put this out and, and my listeners uh, always know that I'm asking too, what measuring tape are you using? Are you using Santia's tape to measure success? Or are you using what the industry might be expecting or others outside of you are expecting? What does success look like today? And then what do you think in a couple of years down the road? Oh, success today? honestly it looks like what what we have going on at this very moment yay getting into these these stores these bigger brands having activations um you know continuing to grow our brand the way that we are um and as far as like what success looks like in the future i would say it's a combination of my measuring stick but also the industry's measuring stick Um, excellent because we have to live in reality as well so for us you know (laughs) I always look at what Nike is doing. You know, how far how far are we from being at the Nike level? Right. And that's kind of what we said. We the, the what we use in our company is the Nike level. And um, you know, we are trying our best to. Um, I don't want to say too much, but <laughs> we are trying our best to um, to make sure that we are going to be able to compete. Um, yes. On that level very soon. So for us, we have we all have very very big goals and, and just crazy expectations for ourselves. So um, I I honestly want to be the female version of Nike. There we go, everybody. <laughs> We're holding that vision for you, <laughs> Queen yeah. Santia, one hundred percent. And that means regional, national, and then yes. global distribution. Global. Yes. And yep. And, and domination and yep. figuring that out along the way, which is nice. You know, sometimes our delays help us get better at what we do so that when the big push comes and sometimes folks, when you're doing inventory, you're going to get a chunk of orders and you're like, oh my gosh, how are we going to fulfill those? Have you had that happen yet? No, uh, luckily like our fulfillment center is amazing. Woo, like, that's We can, we can pretty much take on anything. Oh so my we gosh. We did that first. <laughs> and can I ask you a few questions about the sneakers? Cause you know, curious minds want to know yeah. the way your high tops come up like this. What, what was, why was that important to you? So the reason why the high, why we have the, the sock part is because yeah, part. Um, I've always been a really big fan of the Balenciaga high tops. Yeah. So that was honestly the first thing that I had when I, whenever I thought about creating a shoe, but um, it's, it helps with support. Um, so if you are someone that, um, might have some ankle issues or anything like that, or if you're an athlete, um, that might, you know, not have the best ability, it helps with that. Um, but it also just looks cool. It contours to your ankle. Um, for me, it was about honestly, just the aesthetic part of it. Um, I, I love high tops. Um, so I was like, I have to put out a high top shoe first. Um, but honestly, that's, that's what it was for. I love it too. And as a mother of a basketball player, watching those ankles roll on all the players, I was like, oh my gosh. Please. Yeah. Yes. You know? <laughs> Protect the ankles. <laughs> Protect the ankles at all costs. I just love it. And I love the colors. 
Thank you. You know, you brought so much vibrancy, et cetera. And of course, Brent is planting the seed to make sure that, you know, of course, you're diverse as a woman of color and a woman, a female founder. But, you know, if there's any opportunities to, you know, bring diversity on board in the disabled world, you know, putting it out there as, you know, Brent does such a good job to remind us, right? Yes, yes, yeah. of course, of course. I mean, we're open to anyone and and we don't care, shape, color, you know, whatever you may be. If you love the shoe industry, if you if you want to see, um, you know, this company continue to, to thrive, you know, we're open to everybody. So we want to pick your incredible athlete's mind because we all know athletes are the best at having been coached for mindset. I mean, my gosh. And of course, football coaches are renowned for in phenomenal mindset coaching. When you have those moments, not if, but when you have those moments like, oh my gosh, what was I thinking? What did I get myself into? How am I going to solve that problem? Oh no, oh no, that's not what I planned. <laughs> how, how have you shifted your mindset? And what advice do you give other founders for shifting a mindset? Hmm. One word, gratitude. Yeah. Uh, whenever I feel like things are, I'm in a tornado or something like that, or everything is going wrong around me, I always have to ground myself and remember, look at everything that has happened. Look at what God has blessed you with. Look at where you're at. Look at the fact that you've done this. Like I have to constantly remind myself like, okay, it's not as bad as it seems. Um, yeah. And also just making sure that I, I keep myself centered at all times because uh, being in this industry, man, um, definitely being a young company, there's there's always something that might possibly go wrong. There might there's always times where it's like, oh my gosh, I totally thought we were gonna nail this and it didn't work out. We missed the mark, you know, we didn't have the turnout, whatever it may be, and it can easily be just like honestly, like just I, I can't even I can't even think of the word. It's just it can it can just be depressing to be kind of I don't yeah oh I, gosh I, yeah that's that's the best word for me to use because it's like wow I put everything into this you know I put all my all into this my my team you know we're excited we're ready um and it just didn't work out so I have to always remind myself like okay we are young we're growing we're learning along the way and we're making progress and for me as long as I'm making progress no matter how slow or how small it may be. That's what keeps me going. And then also, honestly, seeing the smiles on my customers' faces and when I meet people, you know, just walking down the street or wherever I may be, and they're like, man, I, I love your shoes. They held my feet. They held this. They did this for me. That lets me know and reminds you, okay, this is, I'm supposed to be here. Everything that I'm going through is for a reason, and one day I'm going to know why. Um, and honestly, since I, I've adopted that attitude, things have been going amazing. But let me tell you. There's mornings where I'm like, oh, do I want to do this? Do I want to continue? <laughs> it is so hard. And I'm going to put on, um, you said this wonderful word about progress. I thought I wrote it down. You said always be progressing, always be moving forward. This is, folks, I'm so sorry. You heard it. You probably remembered it, but I got so caught up in the... <laughs> And all the other <laughs> wonderful comments that Santia was saying. But I wanted to do a stitch that on a pillow moment. And we can just even say gratitude, right, folks? As long as you're making progress, I think that's the stitch that on a, on a pillow moment. Because gratitude, of course, is important. But 
keep moving forward. You're going to have days where you get pushed back, right, Santia? And, and it gets really hard, especially when you have inventory, I'm just saying. And so what you've done is really to the smiles on your customers' faces, things like that can really keep you moving forward and taking those important steps. So now you are fully entrenched as a female founder. You are in entrepreneurship to win it. How has this experience served you both professionally and personally? Man, um, where do I start? <laughs> um, it's, it's opened up so many doors um, that I did not think were possible you know, for me. Um, I come from a background of being very shy. Uh, I'm very much an introvert. <laughs> um, but this has opened me up to um, honestly being more confident even who I am because I've had opportunities to speak and to, you know, um, again, meet people and, and hear their stories and it inspired me uh, to continue my journey. But it's, it's made me just a more confident woman. It's made me realize that there, the impossible is not, is not impossible. Um, so um, it's, it, it reminds me all the time that um, glass ceilings are meant to be broken. And so I, I just always keep that with me. But honestly, it, 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 it just has, like I said, it has made me uh, just, just, I don't know, I have so much gratitude. Uh, and I, I said that I didn't have that before. But I think when you go through um, building a company <laughs> yeah. and building it to the degree that we're trying to and, and having the trials and tribulations um, and having almost to, to be at your wits end and like, oh, my gosh, like I, I, I can't do this you know, yeah. at some, at some points and then to see it turn, turn around before your eyes see like, okay, everything's working now. God is working to say that I'm humbled is not even, not even a word, you know what I'm right. saying? But I, I realize like what it takes and like the grit that you have to have in life to really be successful. I know people talk about that, like, Oh, how bad do you want it? You know, you have to want it as bad as you breathe, but to actually really live that every day, is like yes like this is like you know the the strongest survive almost so it made me such a strong person <laughs> i gotta tell you I, know I said a lot sorry <laughs> no it's the truth and you said it so well you said it and expressed it as a true entrepreneur which is you understand the frailty of your business and you understand yeah. the frailty of hu of the human journey. But when you can pull together the right mindset and keep moving forward and expressing the gratitude for the learning opportunity, this is why I always say you never lose when you launch a business, you only win. Yes. And you just exemplified that and illustrated that you are a stronger woman. There's nothing they're gonna be able to take out between your ears or in your heart, your courageousness, and your fortitude and your persistence and resilience that you've built. I mean, you did a lot of that as an athlete, of course, but now as a founder, a lot more is at stake. And yes. so it, it requires a deeper level of self-knowledge and awareness. And I'm so happy for you. I'm so happy for all of us that we got to have this moment with you and hear your startup stories and, and pull some gems out of you because you were very generous in sharing the nuts and bolts and some of the gifts uh, folks sometimes it's luck okay you get like you get the right introduction because you showed up on social media you met the right person you built up your audience this person happened to have the connections in manufacturing and yeah. you were able though to take that ball and run with it you running back you 
<laughs> yes, yes, for sure. So thank you for sharing that. We're so excited. We're all cheering you on at Tronus. Everybody, we got to go buy a pair. Come on. I saw those colors that match my fabulous Tiffany blue that I have on today, the blue and yeah. white. Those are what I have my eye on. And yes. um, anything that can make us more comfortable, but also... I love that you showed folks that you can enter a really crowded, saturated market and bring your own deliciousness, your own brand promise and how you're going to deliver and another new style and innovation. So congratulations, Santi, on everything. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Oh, I'm so excited for you and for your mom. Oh my gosh, mom, to you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's amazing. For being, for, you know, bringing the you know that wonderful left brain as well to the game with all the numbers and operations, and I love that you have that team together. All right, I'm going to pop you the green room. I'm going to wrap up the show. I'll be right with you in just a second, but I'm going to go into full screen. Oh my gosh! If you were just thinking for a second that this was not for you, founderhood is an extraordinary journey, and Santia's journey is so amazing. I'm just so happy for her and her team and what they're doing at Tronus. So speaking of startups, and one of the biggest challenges with startups is hiring, because a lot of times we don't have the funds, right, to pull someone off their high you know, market rate and join us. So next, this Friday, 12 p.m. on August 5th, we're chatting with a woman who is renowned for attracting top talent when you're a startup. Mandy Edmond is known among VCs in the Bay Area as having an uncanny ability to define the go-to-market leadership needs of an early stage company. And she loves working, really loves working with early stage hiring teams, providing clarity, which we so need, on what is needed in a role and helping founders with their pitch to top talent. So we're going to learn a lot from Mandy. And remember, join the Startup Life Live meetup group so you receive an alert whenever we post a new show because there's a founder that you need to learn from, right? And their journey. So I'm so grateful that you carved out time. Please share the love, share the video or the podcast with folks that you know would benefit from this conversation. And I'll see you next time. Wishing you a delicious day everywhere you glow. Remember, you've got this for sure. See you next time. <laughs>